Welcome to the I Am Winter Solstice Symposium and Fire Tenders Gathering. We are happy you are here. Please find the full schedule at IamSymposium.com. Merry Christmas, everyone. We're going to start with an introduction by the wonderful flute music of Sandy Horton. And we're, then we're going to move into a couple of announcements. And then Lori Lothian is going to make bold predictions for the new year. Hey, I'm going to play for you the creator of the stars at night by people's everlasting light. O Christ, redeemer of us all, we pray you hear us when we call on a Native American flute. was beautiful thank you and she'll be back at the end to add to this hello everyone and merry christmas it's renee barabel the practical shaman and i'm assuming that we're live on facebook as well i hope you're all having an, an amazing fire tender experience and this is serious business yesterday was a very hard day for me there was a lot of stuff coming my way that i invited and some that was uninvited and by the end of the afternoon, luckily somebody had invited me over to take a walk in their marsh and go sit and look at the, and feel the wind. And so I invite you, you to take care of yourself in this process. It's very important that we t tend to ourselves. And from that experience, I came home and I knew that we needed more fire, more light. So sometimes we need to add that light. And so I built a fire outside. And when I was out there, I created the um, the wind fire cleansing exercise, which is available to those of you who have purchased the whole package over there live on your on on your classroom uh, where you access it on windwork.org. And another special thing today is 
Later on today, Hank Wesselman loved this symposium. So we're going to be doing a special tribute to Hank a little bit later today. And make sure you watch it. And I said it later in the day so that, you know, you could enjoy your families. And those of you who are on the East Coast, it's more of an evening with a, a special journey uh, journey in there as well. Let's see. Oh, important. We have about six or seven people behind the scenes making this all possible. We have well over 2,100 fire tenders this year, which is a lot of space to hold. So thank you. And give yourself that big pat on the back. Those of you who dropped out a couple of days ago, relight those candles. We need all the light we can get. And for your altar sharing, please send your altars to the JOT form by the 28th of January to, I mean, the 28th of December to ensure that you're in our video. We already have about 160 fire altars to put in there. So if we want to make sure we don't miss yours. There's nothing worse on, on the 2nd of January when I play this. Somebody said, my altar's not there. So about a year ago, we created the JOT form in order for people to guarantee that they're, I say that, to guarantee come hook uh, that your fire and your altar will be included into the special altar video. Okay, I think that's that's all. I will be um, doing the wind knots for grief and loss very soon, and stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, I'm very excited. Come on. Tommy's excited, too, to hear the prediction for the new year for, from Lori Lothian. Lori, are you going to join us here? All right. Uh -huh. I'm going to drop back. Sami says Merry Christmas, everyone. What a beautiful cat. She's so sweet. She is. Hey guys, welcome to 2022's Big Bold Predictions. And I am a Hellenistic full sign astrologer. And that is a tradition that goes back thousands of years that um, is available to us now to learn and study and practice only since the 1990s. So my astrology is a little different than modern astrology. So as I tell you about the sky, I'm also using some ancient techniques to delineate what I think may be happening in 2022. Now, I'm going to talk about things that might happen to you personally as well, based on a few of the uh, things. And if you know your star, your chart, if you know what your rising sign is and where everything else falls on your chart, you may be able to make some personal meaning from the big, bold predictions for 22 for the collective. So let's start off by talking about how horrible it was in 2021. Um, it was really a rough year. It's almost worse than 2020, the first year of the pandemic. A part of what most people experienced as a gritty um, hard, um, really edgy year was a long-standing, ongoing connection in the sky between two planets: the planet Saturn, the god of tradition, authority, rules, status quo, safety, caution, and Uranus, the god of freedom, rebellion, protest, anarchy, change. And those two forces were at odds with each other all through 2021. And we saw that come up in the sky. And we astrologers knew that February, June, and December 24th, that's why that picture is here, break free of that Saturn and Uranus glyph. Um, this would be a very intense year. And it's not over yet because on December 24th, 25th, the last haunt of three square or 90 degree angles between those two planets is happening as I speak. So my big bold prediction number one, based on what's been going on, we're going to see mending of fences in the beginning of healing in 2020, 
two of the rifts that we've created through this intense year. What kind of rifts will it mend? Well, rifts that had to do with, you know, your anti-vax versus vaxxer movements, just one example, the extreme polarity between partisan uh, politics in countries like the United States, the sense of wanting to villainize and other people, you know, like make them into the enemy, the sort of rise of fear of other xenophobia, which has been extreme, um, things like the Capitol riot insurrection and the um, and the, the wild rioting and protests and stuff like that that happened in Portland, Oregon. These are very much a part of what we had happening during 22. Why I think the fences will begin to mend is multitude of reason. But number one, most primarily, is this intensity between these two planets is starting to subside. Although there will be in October of 22, a light touch between Uranus and Saturn, it's nothing compared to what we've been through. They don't become exact in their connection. However, there is a lingering kind of hangover <laughs> because all through 22, Uranus, who sits in Taurus, and Saturn, who sits in Aquarius, will be at odds with each other. So, but it's a gentle, slow uh, removing ourselves from that intensity as the year progresses. So that's my first bold prediction, the beginning of the end of the intensity. And I want you to know how specific astrology can be, um, because basically I'm going to give you some examples of what I'm talking about. The first time these two planets came together in February, we had things like a coup in Myanmar, big protests over that coup in Myanmar. We had prison break in Haiti. We had uh, protests in Spain and Catalonia. This was all over the news cycle in February. This was the first time Saturn and Uranus had come into this opposition to each other. This is not a common thing, this kind of opposition between these planets. So it, it will bring uh, you know big, big news stories to the forefront. Now, the other thing that happened in June when they came together, we had all kinds of crazy stuff happening. We had the building collapsing in Florida. Uh, we had um, the Swedish prime minister stepping down all of a sudden that, believe me, that's a Uranus Saturn, Saturn, an authority figure, Uranus, a sudden a shocking change. There were huge protests going on in Hungary, as well as the George Floyd protests. And later on, the, um, oh my gosh, there were more protests. I'm trying to remember her name, Breonna Taylor. So those started in May, the last week of May, but they continued throughout June. And those protests and those you know, Black Lives Matter movements are very much about the rebellion and the authority challenge that Uranus offers us. Well, those people trying to squash those movements to press down on them, including the anti-vax movements or the government Saturn. You know, even you could say it's the governments and the rules that we should all obey, you know, what we should and shouldn't do. So those forces are ebbing, you know. So I would say that even though we've just now, as I'm speaking, are encountering the third of these um, intensities, I would expect, I'm going to predict that between now and let's say April, we'll have more protests coming up. And we'll have some dramatic stuff coming up. I don't know why. Maybe uh, vaccination mandates that the public is going to reject. Um, we may see the stepping down of a world leader. Um, Joe Biden comes to mind, uh, just like the prime minister did from Sweden, um, step down or step away for a while. Maybe he'll need some health care and maybe Kamala will step up. So we're going to see a repeat of those kinds of themes between now and let's say April, okay? Okay, predict, bold prediction number two. Boing. <laughs> it's freezing here in Vancouver, I got my hot tea. Um, you know, I think we're gonna see an extreme, extreme, extreme weather event between now and the end of April and maybe sooner. 
And I don't mean a minor thing, but I want to tell you why I'm saying this. And then, you know, I don't want this to happen, but maybe a flood, for example, but whatever it is, it's a big deal. Um, so a couple of thoughts about why. First of all, this ongoing Uranus-Saturn square is known to incite extreme weather events. So there's just that. And back in February, there was a huge flood in Indonesia. And do you guys remember the power outage in Texas and the snowstorm and the hydro problem or electric grid problems they had? That was happening in February during Uranus square Saturn. Uranus and Taurus will create where he sits extreme weather events. He created the Dust Bowl era in the 1930s when that planet went through the last time Taurus. So extreme weather events. Then we had in June flash floods and heat waves. All Flash floods were all over, but also we had hail in the United States in June. We had a heat wave in the Northwest. A lot of people died up here in Vancouver, Canada, where I currently live. Um, the whole Northwest was in a massive, extraordinary heat wave in June. Um, so you can see, again, the weather extremes that happened in June and February. So here we are in December. We haven't seen it yet because this conjunction just perfected yesterday and today. But I would guess that we're going to see something in the news cycle that has to do with extreme weather. I'm predicting a flood um, because Jupiter will move into a water sign, his home Pisces sign on December 29th, where he will join Neptune, the god of gale force winds and stormy seas. And it's very possible we're going to see a flood that has the kind of quality of the tsunami event um, as a like the tsunami that struck in Thailand uh, years ago in Phuket or, you know, the tsunami wave that raced over Japan. Um, those are examples. I don't mean that's going to be exactly the same thing, but I don't think it's going to be a, an event that kind of just comes through our newsfeed. And then we don't even notice it again. Like we forgot, oh, yeah, where was that flood? Was that in Indonesia? I have a feeling this is going to galvanize us, you know, a little bit more towards a collective gasp of, oh, my God, you know, humanity. We, you know, we're going to maybe draw a bit together over this like we did with 9-11 temporarily. So there may be an extreme and catastrophic weather event somewhere in the world in the next few months. The, the latest would be April and I think probably much sooner. Uh, than that. Um, so keep your eyes on that. You know, technically, those weather events in February and June occurred in the very same month of these conjunctions of Saturn and um, Uranus. And so we, I would guess, I would speculate by the end of January, maybe what I'm predicting shall come to pass. I think the larger picture about this is to bring us to awareness of the catastrophic uh, climate change that we've created and that we're a part of on Earth. Whether or not we believe it's here or not, we're seeing evidence that something is happening. <laughs> Some people say it's all about the sun and what the sun is doing, and that may be partly true, but we're certainly exacerbating weather problems. So I think that this may be a defining moment for the world where things like that climate accord in Paris are finally going to be taken seriously and countries on the fence might jump in or people will be even elevating our desire to rectify the climate crisis that we're underneath right now. Um, I feel really bad for young people. My daughter's 22 and she's really weighed down by this. For her, this is really huge, right? She's feeling it strongly. So, you know, the old we've been here, I'm 59 for a long time. We've seen what the world was like before, extraordinarily extreme weather. And so, you know, she's growing up feeling really heavy. And I think a lot of young people are going to lead us out of this mess, actually. All righty. So there's the weather. So first I said easing of tensions that, you know, rifts between your anti-vaxxers and your hard left and right politics. And think of any kind of extremes, maybe trying to come closer together in 22. Second is the extreme weather uh, events. 
the other thing is, is that we're under the, so I'm going to try to blend this into um, a bit of the idea of when we get out of the heaviness, because even though this is waning, this Saturn Uranus, there's something in the sky called the Kalasarpa Yoga. And uh, that Kalasarpa Yoga is means like the serpent of time. And it means that almost all of the planetary bodies, except the moon, which travels too quickly, while all the planetary bodies in the sky, actually including the minor asteroids, Ceres and Juno and, and Vesta and um, yeah, the, well, so Athena, they're all captured between the south and north node in the sky. So the south and north node are like an axis between like an upside down horseshoe and a right side up horseshoe. And they represent the places where eclipses happen. They're mathematical positions based on the lunation of the moon and the movement of the, uh, the sun and moon. So it's really not a, a planet, but in Vedic astrology, they're considered to be the head and the tail of a serpent. And they're considered to be uh, actually energies that are like a planet. And Kalasarpa Yoga, or the Serpent of Time, means all these planets are caught on one side of this 180-degree axis. And that's always to, considered to be very malefic or difficult. And that has started. We got stuck or caught into the Kalasarpa Yoga on December the 14th. And the initiatory planet that created it was Mars crossing over the threshold of the node and creating that. So Mars is the instigator of the Kalasarpa Yoga. And we will have it coming to an end on April 24th when Mercury breaks free. Now, my feeling is that this is very much about the pandemic. So we're going into the story of the pandemic, my third prediction. My basic prediction right now is the pandemic is over. The larger prediction is we won't know it or believe it or come to a collective agreement about that until April 24th onward of 2022. Now, the reason it is over is that in Babylonian astrology, Mars is a god of plagues. He's the emissary of Nergal, who is the god of plagues and war. And back in 2019, uh, Mars went into the heart of the sun, which he does every two years, in the sign of Virgo, which is kind of he died in the sign of Virgo. It's not a good place for uh, a planet to die if you don't want to see Mars as a plague god and Virgo is about health health and illness. So it is, and there was a malefic star involved as well. And then he rose in Libra, which was happening uh, in October, I think, of 2019. So this is September, October of 2019. His rising or coming to visibility uh, outside the beams of the sun happened in uh, a sign that he's debilitated in. A Libra is a Venus sign. It's the scales of justice. We've seen that play out as things like the extraordinary tension between justice elements, right? If you can think back of how we've been living our life, there have been things like the Roe versus Wade, the Supreme Court being stacked, the, the, the tension between all polarities, the scales are all off base back to the hardcore tension between the heart, the left and the right politics in the world around the world. Um, and, you know, even just the idea that things about legal matters took such precedence, you know, all the court cases, uh, what do you call it? The um, what do you call it? We impeach a president, you know, those impeachment hearings in the United States, that's all Libra. And because Mars is the god of war and battle and conflict, and he went into Libra, the scales of justice, we saw those things tilt wildly into extremes uh, during 2020 and 21. However, the good news is <laughs> uh, Mars did a different story this time. He died in Libra. So that's the end of the extreme polarity. He died in Libra in the heart of the sun this year uh, in October, around October 8th. And he's rising in Scorpio. 
Now he's rising to a new story. His last story was, let me make a plague for humanity. <laughs> Thank you, Mars. His next story is, let me make a war. So I'm going to, before I talk about war, I'm going to talk about the plague. He's got a new agenda. He, he doesn't really care about plague making anymore. And there were a few things that happened in the sky, like Mercury went into the heart of the sun at the end of November against the asteroid panacea, the cure for all. We had a bunch of cool things happening with the eclipse on 27 degrees of Taurus on mid-November 19th. That looks like a signature for the end of a plague. So there's a lot of astrological details that I'm not going to bother to give you here because I'm not doing an astrology presentation, let alone, you know, you know, showing charts to you. But just trust me on this. This is a story of Mars getting over the plague making and trying to now create some conflict in the war, war, world, which may look like a war in 20, 2022. I will get to the details of that fourth prediction. Um, so prediction number three is the end of the plague. Um, we don't know it yet. It's probably Omicron. The day that Omicron was announced, uh, and but things were all happening, like the CDC said it's a variant of concern, was the day of the November 19th eclipse. And I do believe that it is, in fact, a human head cold. I mean, it's a global head cold. Yes, some people will die. Some people even die of a head cold. It's got the more fatality rate of the normal flu. Um, it's got the transmissibility rate of measles. Uh, Mars is basically last salvo on plague making was to toss into the collective a highly transmissible, low pathogenic, like low deadly quality, low lethal, relatively low lethality version of COVID that is replacing Delta, not happening with Delta. So it's already shown to be the case in Africa that as Omicron takes off, Delta disappears. Now, Delta is more virulent, more deadly. So this is a good thing. And so vaccinated, unvaccinated alike are all getting it because it's, it's got immune escape from vaccines. So we're going to see everybody in the world eventually get this. And this, to me, is going to be the end of the pandemic. But we are going to see until the end of April conflict over the agreement that this is the end of the pandemic because the Kalasarpa Yoga will not break until Mercury breaks free of the, the nodal axis and cuts us out of that nightmare. Now, I will give you a clue, though, that on January 30th, Ceres, an asteroid, will break free of the Kalasarpa Yoga. And she's a goddess of food and harvests and grains and stuff. We may see some good news about food supply or something like that. But I also feel like and she's a goddess of foods and foodborne illnesses, which, of course, we're not talking about foodborne illness of the Omicron. But there's something about her breaking free around the 30th of January, where I think we're going to see the first stage of relief about the pandemic and the, this, you know, maybe a collective sigh. And then we're going to see the next wave of, yes, you know, we're going to say this is a done deal around the 24th of April. Um, where some of that tension may come up, my, my feeling is, is that vaccine mandates, manufacturers, government policy around it may be pressuring the public to like take an Omicron vaccine or something like that. And that's where we're going to get this last bit of these clashing protests where people who are medically literate, <laughs> not an anti-vaxxer, but will be looking clearly at the fact that this is like not a deadly vaccine, uh, a deadly virus, I'm hoping anyway, um, that the Omicron variant is much milder and that there's no way people are going to go for a fourth immunization, you know, even if they've had their boosters and they're being told to get a fourth. So I think we're going to see this kind of gnarly tension. And if you're like somebody who knows how, you know, the world works, Big Pharma made a, a ton of money 
So Pfizer, Merck, you know, all these guys, especially Moderna, Pfizer, Merck, they're going to resist any change of policy around vaccinations. And you may find that there's that element going on as well, where government interests and pharmaceutical interests are going against scientific knowledge. You'll have scientists stepping up to protest as well. Um, And that can be very much what Saturn and Aquarius is, scientific authority and Iranian energy is breaking free, breaking out, breaking the mold, um, like busting out. So already in the pandemic storyline, there was something called the Barrington Protocol, where thousands and thousands of scientists signed documents protesting the government's handling of the pandemic, saying that it wasn't based on science and there was a different way to do it. There was a huge uproar around that government kicked back and disqualified and fired many of these scientists. So you're going to see a little bit more of that in the first four months of 2022. But I believe by the third week of April, we're going to agree that the pandemic was a story we lived through, not a story we're living through. And I really hope I'm correct. So predictions are dicey. I'm not saying I'm sure. I'm saying it looks to me like that's what's happening. All right. So that was um, the pandemic's over. Fourth prediction, big prediction. There's a good one coming. Stay tuned if you're getting depressed because there's a really luscious one that I'm going to share with you guys. Uh, Prediction number four is that we're going to have a war in 22. The United States will be pulled into it. Um, It may not be what we call a traditional war. We don't have those anymore. I mean, we don't all like go off to the battlefield and don't think it's going to involve conscription or enlistment of soldiers. But I don't know where it'll come from. Very possibly it's a it's a Russia thing, Russia ingressing into the Ukraine or less likely China into Taiwan. But I think there will be something coming up. And the reason I think that one is Mars rising in Scorpio. Yeah, that's very much a part of what Mars can do when he rises in his sign. He's a warrior. He's in his home sign. So there's stealth spy spy stuff, hidden agendas with Scorpio. So even if there is a conflict, it, I may be reading it wrong. It could be cyber warfare. But there's something really big hitting us in the 2022 timeframe. Now, my guess is after August, sometime third week of August, when Mars goes into a six month stay in Gemini. In the United States natal chart, Gemini is the seventh house of other nations and Mars there, it means war with other nations. And Mars will retrograde October 30th to early January. And that could be the pullback from a conflict that is initiated in August. As well, during um, the eclipse of December 4th, there was the rising, I mean, there on the December 4th, there was the United States rising sign or ascendant at around 12 degrees of Sag, sitting there on that December 4th eclipse with um, the star, Antares, the warrior star. Now, United States is birthed with the warrior star on its identity, guys. It's just a part of the natal star of the U.S. that the Masons, who are astrologers, put in place. They knew what they were doing. They wanted to give a strong, forceful military presence to the nation they were birthing. So there's that warrior Antares, Archangel Michael, flaming sword star that Mars joined with, okay, as well when he did his heliacal rise. So we got a couple of gnarly details. We have an eclipse on the ascendant of the United States on the warrior star. We had Mars rising uh, in late October, November on that warrior star. And so all that is to say, it would be shocking if there isn't a serious conflict that the United States gets pulled into. A little bit of the vibration as well, for me, when I think about it, of a reluctance from the United States to get involved, but a necessity. And so um, finding itself pulled in a little at Pearl Harbor by, right, by necessity as opposed to by um, by an aggressive choice, okay? Like, you know, to go 
obviously the United States isn't going to warmonger at this point in its in its evolution, but it is in the middle of a Pluto return as well. I do not think it is a civil unrest that I'm seeing. I think it is a global affair the United States gets involved in, probably not the only nation to get involved, but it's one of them. So we're going to see some kind of mini war. I'm going to call it a mini war. I don't think it's a big one. And I think it will de-escalate by the end of 22. Um, so that's my third prediction. Um, okay, so now I'm going to give a, a, a good spot in the sky. <laughs> that's like a little bit of breath of good news here. Oh, no, before I do the good news, I'll save the best for last. Number six, number five, number five. We're going to see... Um, most likely the regulation of cryptocurrency after a stock market also major correction. Now, the stock market major correction may be delayed until March, March or April. Okay. Um, there's a lot going on in the sky. Uh, there is a um, there is eclipses that are looking gnarly around the stock market sun. There's the United States having its Pluto return in the house of money and finances, including activating the placement of stock markets. That Pluto return is happening at the beginning, the first hit of United States Pluto coming back to where it was when the United States was born during the signing of the Declaration of Independence. That is happening 250 years later. In earnest in 2022, it begins in February, then there's one in the summer, and then there's one in the fall. Three times that Pluto will come into contact with itself, Pluto in the sky, touching down where the U.S. Pluto is. Because in the United States, it's in a money house. There's a lot of revolution and shift and change around finances, and that includes stock markets, government monies, and stuff. Um, I also feel positive, though, that there's going to be new labor laws put in place, new uh, maybe a, an attempt to create like a universal... Uh, basic income or to uh, create a higher living wage by the end of 22. And that's because the eclipses are moving through the house of the labor markets in the United States chart. But in addition to that, there will be destabilization of the stock markets, maybe as early as February, March. And in the wake of all of this, and crypto will tumble temporarily because it does follow the general markets, but it probably will stabilize faster. Gold and silver are good bets. Not that I am your financial advisor, but they're just hedges in term, terms of state, market instability. Um, there has been an economic downturn, but we don't see it yet. Um, and we see in the stock markets the idea that everything's wonderful, but let's be serious. How many uh, people are benefiting from that who aren't the trillionaires who double their money? I think there may be a decision to put a tax in place to actually tax the trillionaires of the world as well, and maybe repurpose that to a universal income or to higher wages or government subsidies for employers to offer the people higher wages. We're going to see a restructuring led by the government of fair wages for the working the working poor, like they're not even the working class in America. And we're probably going to see um, crypto be regulated by the governments of the world. Okay. So that is to me that last lingering energy between Saturn and Uranus, because Uranus and Taurus is the crypto energy and Saturn is the governments and it doesn't end till next fall. And I think rather than fight it, what the central governments of the world are going to do, what the governments and central banks of the world are going to do is figure out how they can get the finger in in the pie and how they can regulate it in a way that they benefit from it. So example, making sure that people are taxed on crypto gains and they don't slip under the radar or maybe figuring out how to centralize their own currencies as digital currencies instead of um, paper currencies, really. Um, the currencies are no longer a gold standard. So all of that means the last part of that fifth prediction is major changes in the way money is handled 
a stabilization uh, or an increase in basic earnings and wages. A universal basic income may be a possibility. That seems like something only Sweden would do, but you know, never in the United States might just get its act together, uh, even Canada, but more likely an increase in the um, basic wage. Um, what else would I say about that? Yeah, and, and there's a Saturn-Mars tension coming into the sky in March that's not so great either. And um, my feeling is that that could also look like um, a part of what could be building around this February, March market shift, market destabilization. The last thing I'll say about stock markets, you know, when the pandemic begins to look like it's over, I want you to think of it as a battlefield. Sure, we want how many corpses are, corpses are on the battlefield. And I don't mean the people who died. I mean the people who, you know, the businesses, that got, the small businesses that did shut down, that couldn't deal and couldn't cope with being closed. Um, the fact that a lot of people had to live off savings or small government stipends and they lost a lot of their momentum in their finances. They don't have money to invest in the stock market anymore. We're going to see kind of the economic wasteland of a two-year post-pandemic time frame become realized collectively and by governments in 2022, which will indeed stabilize, destabilize stock markets. And if there is a tax against the, the trillionaires and the people who have enough money to send rockets into space and should be paying some taxes, darn it, um, then that also could be very intense energy that could destabilize some of the markets. Um, okay, so there's that. <laughs> Last but not least on my sixth prediction for 2022 is this. Um, I think that something magical, something enchanting, something full of rainbows and unicorns, keywords, wonder and awe are coming to us in April 2022. Now, it is a rare triple conjunction of three planets that happens on average 150 years, every 150 years. I believe it was sometime in the 1850s, around 1856 or so that we saw this last. What this is, is that Venus will be moving through Pisces in April, which is fine. She does it roughly once a year. She's exalted in Pisces. She's like full of her superpowers. You know, she's like better than she normally is. She's a benefic. She brings wealth and love and kindness and fairness and harmony and beauty to the world. And then we see Neptune there where he's been in Pisces since 2012 in earnest. He tiptoed in 11, but backed out. But he's been in Pisces for a long time. Uh, Neptune and Pisces can create conspiracy theories, Messiah storylines. He's the savior of the world. Don't care what your politics are. I'm apolitical. I'm Canadian. But a lot of people in the QAnon saw Donald Trump as a savior. That's classic Neptune and Pisces. So we got this kind of dark side of Neptune and Pisces, where there's delusion, illusion, uh, conspiracy theories and messiah complexes. But then we also see the high side of it, which is nobility of the soul, uh, spiritual uh, connection to all, um, a connection to the highest imagination and the biggest dreams possible. You know, speeches like I have a dream is that that speech itself is a Neptune speech. So we get this kind of quality of Neptune, the goodness connected with Venus, the benefic, and then Jupiter in Pisces in dignity. It's his home sign in, in traditional astrology. So we got Neptune, the modern ruler of Pisces, and we've got Jupiter, the old traditional ruler of Pisces, Jupiter, opportunity, growth, expansion, luck, um, goodness, just pure goodness. And then Venus. Okay, goodness, goodness, goodness. So three goodnesses are all lining up together on April the 30th in a triple conjunction in the last degrees of Pisces. Now, this is where if you know your chart at all, and there's going to a little bit of a 
April 12th bolt of goodness and then a bigger bolt on April 30th, okay? If you know your natal chart and you know what your rising sign is and you can find out what house, what house this is happening in, okay? So like I'm an Aquarius rising, that's my first house and I'm using whole sign houses, note to file. If you wanna do this in Hellenistic tradition, you wanna put your chart in what's called a whole sign house chart. You can go to astro.com or astro-seek.com. All you need to do is put in your time of birth place, all the data and then you'll see a rising sign on the left. And, you know, so for example, my rising sign is Aquarius and the next sign after Aquarius is Pisces. That means my first house is Aquarius and my second house, the house after the rising sign is, is my Pisces zone. So for me, uh, this is predicting some kind of money story for me. Very like very godmother of money, you know, because the second house is your earnings, voice, vocation and money. So I'm getting an enchanted money story for me in April 22. And each of you listening, if you made it this far, are going to have an area of your sky, one of 12 houses where you have enchantment. And you know what? I'm offering a free gift with Renee. But what I think for the I Am Symposium, what I think I'm going to do is add to what I've offered, which is my divine timing cheat sheet. Um, my free PDF for the meanings, in-depth meanings of the 12 houses. So you can use this to try to look at what your April may be. Now for the whole, so, you know, everybody's going to have a different story here, right? That's the cool part. Like if you were an Aries rising, Pisces is behind you in your 12th house because your Aries is your first. And that's going to be about a, having a powerful dream or a spiritual teacher come to you or a fantastic gift from another realm, dimension landing in your in your world. You know, it's very spiritual energy for the Aries rising signs. Now, you definitely want to cast your chart in whole sign houses, if you ask me, because I find that to be the most accurate delineation rather than Placidus. So if you're listening to this and you have any astrological knowledge, you'll know what I'm talking about. But if you really want to use your Placidus system, you can check that out too and see how, what the Pisces zone might you know, cover because the house system might put it into like two houses, you know, a little bit of one house, a little bit of another house. All right. Um, last thing I'll say about that enchanted fairy godmother sky, I keep calling it rainbows, unicorns, pots of golds, leprechauns, four-leaf clovers, it's very enchanted. Um, for the world, I think we're going to need this. I think it's going to feel like something super beautiful is happening. You know, we're, we've got two things going on at the same time almost. We're going to have the super enchanted sky and we're going to have a Mars-Saturn connection, uh, which can be difficulty. So it's almost like two stories are co-present in April. But in the part of the sky where this enchantment happens for the world, thoughts I have, I would hope, I'm going to make some stories up, right? Because all in the sea, it's all Pisces. First of all, um, I think the Avatar movie is being remade. If Avatar comes out anytime in April, that would be a very, very uh, Neptune rules film and filmmaking. And this would be like a super big movie that takes over the world and inspires hope, enchantment. Um, a sense of unconditional love and peace around the world. Another thing would be under the sea. I mean, wouldn't that be cool if somebody with their little submarine or something uncovered something under the ocean that was going to captivate the imaginations of humanity, like a sunken city or something? That's another possibility. Um, especially because Mars rose a Scorpio, a water sign. And when he does something like that, other than spies and stealth and stuff like that, cyber warfare, it can be about uncovering things that are hidden from view, secrets that are under the surface, but things that are under the water. So, um, or if we had a big flood and it caused like, you know, tides to shift or something and like, say like a massive pullback of water happened, we may reveal something uh, under the water. I don't know. So there's something about that though, that triple conjunction that I just feel the keywords are hope, 
awe and wonder in April for the world. But we all get a little slice of that in our own chart. And lastly, it's Eclipse Day as well. April 30th, when this triple conjunction is precise, uh, I believe um, it's 28 degrees of Pisces. If you know your chart, any planets near 28 Pisces, you'll really get a sense of this. Or any planets around 28 degrees of the angles to that, the angular houses to the Pisces stuff. So the Sagittarius, Gemini, Virgo people, if you have planets anywhere in that degree, like your sun, your moon, or your rising, you guys, you know, you could really feel this enchantment more strongly, but we're all going to feel it. And um, there's an eclipse on April 30th, and that eclipse is in working in harmony with this, this Taurus eclipse is working in harmony with this enchantment. So United States natal chart, that eclipse is in the labor forces part of the sky. So maybe there's big news. Again, as I said, I'm really hoping that the government will uh, see to change the poverty situation in the United States, which is happening because people are working their asses off making no money. And the cost of living is not in commensurate with the earnings that normal everyday people make, you know, and it's just not fair. All right. So those are my predictions. And I don't know, I can't see, I know we're live somewhere. I don't have access to where any questions may be coming up. So I'm going to ask Renee to come on in and uh, maybe ask me questions or talk with me. Well, there's not a lot of questions. I'm just sitting there like, okay, when's she going to get to the good news? <laughs> I'm like, Sandy, you better play some good news flute music for us. Hey, on I, the I, told you, I told you that we're ebbing, we're ebbing, we're ebbing. And the polarities are going to, you know, end at the end of 22, we won't be hating our anti-vaxxer cousin or our... Oh, that's so nice. I'm so happy to hear that, aren't you, Sandy, that we're not going to be yes. like fighting. All right. Well, Lori, thank you so much for, for this predictions and I'm gonna I'm gonna who wants to place bets with me about one through five which are true and which we're gonna re revisit in I'm gonna revisit with you in April how's that yes well I you know I tend to be good at predictions so I'm gonna say the, the most likely one that I have right is the extreme weather event um that one I think is going to be outside the box of something we haven't seen for a long time unfortunately but you know it is I think it's going to bring us closer together and I told you there was a silver lining I wasn't all negative I said it will bring it will just like 9-11 it can catalyze a sense of uh, shared suffering can bring people across the divides between polarities of all kinds well you know Sandra when I was saying should I tell my you know my palm desert house she goes oh no you might want it this winter <laughs> so I'm heading to palm desert real soon because it's been raining 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 and I do love it here and I do like to take wind walks and I'm learning to take them in the rain, but I'm really looking forward to some sun too. So my mm -hmm. Southern California friends, I'm on my way. All right. We're going to take this out with some beautiful flute music from Sandy Horton. And you know what today is, um, is today Saturday? Today's Saturday. We are like one week in just about on this and we have another week to go. And we just want to thank Lori, thank Sandy, thank all of all of you at home who are tending to the fires. Those of you who just even add one candle makes a difference. So keep those lights burning. Lori, Merry Christmas, and we'll see talk to you real soon. Merry Christmas, Renee. Thank you for having me again. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I am a musician and a poet, so I don't make predictions, but I do receive inspiration from the planets, from the moon and from the stars. And a few years before the pandemic, I was visiting in Beijing and a full moon was beaming in my window and I wrote a poem about it and then later wrote native flute music to go with it. 
And this is what I said. The full moon beams into my hotel room in Beijing. The same moon that shines in America is familiar and brings comfort in a foreign land. The moon and I travel the world, bringing light to darkness. And this is the song. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if you haven't listened to our concert, make sure you go over and re-listen to the concert. And uh, for those of you, I've added her Mary song to the new wind breath fire meditation clearing I just did, which is on the, the that's in the bonus section. But Merry Christmas, everyone. And you'll be hearing from Sandy again real soon. Thank you, Sandy. It was beautiful. And thank you, Lori, my dear friend, Lori. Welcome to the 10th annual I Am Winter Solstice Symposium and Fire Tenders Gathering. We are excited to offer this container for you to celebrate during these darker days of December from December 20th through January 2nd. We will be having live events every day in the Wind Clan. There will also be a recording available for you if you've given us your email address over at IamSymposium.com. And there's an opportunity to purchase this whole series if you don't think you can be with us live. So again, welcome 
And we look forward to being with you throughout.